Hello and welcome guys. Today we're going to be talking about how I think AI is going to impact the fitness industry because it's coming and it's coming fast. Well, in fact, it's already here and it's already impacting the fitness industry, but I think we really are just at the start point with this stuff. And I spoke a little bit about AI yesterday as one of the reasons that I was actually doing this YouTube channel because selfishly by me creating YouTube content every single day after 100, 200, 300 days, there will be, you know, 25, 50 hours of me talking. And whether you think that's nonsense or not is somewhat irrelevant because what that will be able to do is I will be able to then train Doug AI, who uh, will then be able to help more people for less money at a faster rate than me, which is quite exciting. And I think that is one of the big benefits of it. But before we get into this, we should sort of, you know, caveat this one a little bit because this is an exciting topic and this is the first video that I've done on this topic, but it's probably not going to be the last because we're on the 21st of February, 2024, right? This is just my current viewpoint of this stuff based on the facts that I have in front of me. And let's be real, I don't have all the facts because there's a lot of stuff that we in the general public just do not know, do not understand. And this is going to change very quickly. So I think it's an exciting topic. I think it's one we need to embrace because like I say, it's coming, you don't have a choice. So you might as well get on board with it. But really, I don't have an effing clue. <laughs> you know, this is very much just my thoughts, my opinions, and let's, you know, see how right I am. And I wouldn't be surprised if in maybe even a month's time, I'm having to do an updated version of this. I actually saw well, I mean, it's coming out over the course of this week, but even today I was just having some lunch. And um, oh, by the way, if I look like a scruffy mess, it's because I've literally just come back from the gym and I do have to admit I, I haven't showered yet. So <laughs> sorry about that, but I was excited about this video. So I wanted to sit down, get it recorded straight away while it was sort of fresh on my mind. Anyway, um, what was I talking about? Me not showering, lunch. Oh yeah, that's right. Whilst I was eating my lunch, I was on Instagram, as you do, and I saw a video of the new OpenAI uh, top um, uh, piece of software. I think it's called Sora, something like that. I might have got that wrong. Apologies, Sam Altman, don't delete me. Uh, or send a Terminator after me. Um, but this piece of technology is effectively text to video. This is insane. Like guys, if you haven't checked this out, just Google OpenAI text to video. It's madness. Like this stuff is 4K quality, anything you want it to be. Now at the moment it's not available to the general public, but just think about the application of that. It's insane. I mean, like if you work in TV or Hollywood or porn, God, like, I mean, the, the possibilities of this stuff are, are somewhat limitless. I mean, like any video content that you consume is effectively about to be replicated by AI and replicated to a higher standard and in a, almost instantly, which is ridiculously insane. So this technology in the general public only came to fruition in, I think it was November 2022. So it's not even been 18 months which is madness. And now I get annoyed if ChatGPT like doesn't give me an exact answer in like 10 seconds. It's insane. It's insane how quickly we we demand things to be better. We just we just grow our new expectation of something that we never even had access to, never even thought about, never thought this was going to be a thing, nothing. 
I think the first thing we have to say about the development of AI and where I think it's going to take or impact and positively or negatively the fitness industry is it very much depends who's in control of it and who and how it is regulated, if at all. Because I think everything needs, especially something so powerful like this, it needs some form of regulation. You don't want one man or one woman in charge of the whole thing. And so I, I hope they do something with that. My worry is a little bit like how they tried to regulate social media a few years ago. The problem is, is the regulators, let's be honest, regulation always starts in the United States and then it trickles down to the rest of the world. And, or at least in the Western world, in you know, China and Russia do things a little bit differently. <laughs> but in the Western world, the democratic world, the USA sets the precedent and everybody else follows, basically, for the most part. And there's these famous Senate hearings where Mark Zuckerberg and the Google guy, can't remember his name, are being asked to testify in front of the Senate. And basically, they're sitting there being asked to explain how Meta and how Google work. And these guys, like, bless them, like, they should be playing golf and sitting on their front porch, chilling, having a coffee. Like, they should not be deciding the fate of the future world, which they don't understand. And you can see, like, Mark Zuckerberg, he's like, painfully but very respectfully trying to explain it to these guys but like imagine going to your grandpa who you know is 90 years old and showing him an ipad and just sort of giving it to him being like yeah figure that out he's just gonna not have a clue and these regulators these lawmakers they're not really in touch with this technology and even if you try and explain it to them it's very difficult for them to comprehend the real life application of this stuff and and AI is streets ahead of what we've ever seen before. So I think that's really important that it is regulated to an extent, not too much. And we certainly don't want it to be regulated the way social media regulation has gone because, well, that's failing in real time. Like I actually posted about this on Instagram today. Instagram was the most deleted app of 2023 because let's be honest, and I, I don't really identify politically either sort of way left or right. I, I think you can just be pretty central and commonsensical. But Instagram and Meta has been captured by the by the radical left. And the viewpoints, that are, the narrative that is um, pushed, that is promoted on their platforms, on Meta's platforms, is, well, it's, it's nothing short of insanity now. And what's happened is, is, as far as I can tell, is their algorithm is now out of control. So they can't even rein it in. And that's why, you know, the facts speak for themselves. It's the most deleted app in the world. I think it was a billion users deleted it. Now, some of that is probably meta tracking down fake accounts, which is good. I'm glad they're doing that. But there's still going to be a large proportion of that being real people just leaving the platform because they're just fed up. They're fed up of having this narrative rammed down their throat, which they just don't agree with. Whereas you look at TikTok, you look at what X, uh, what uh, Elon is doing with X, and I think what YouTube is going to be forced to do because of Rumble, they are now swinging back to more of a free speech centralist. We're just a platform. You decide as content creators what you watch, what you listen to, what you consume. Podcasts, for the most part, have always stayed relatively neutral, which is great. Like 
Spotify obviously is a the well, I mean, not, yeah, the sponsor, the owner, I, I guess, of, of the Joe Rogan Experience, which is the biggest podcast in the world. I don't even know. I they don't release the figures, but before it was on, you uh, Spotify when it was on YouTube, th this is like two three years ago now. It was getting, I believe, like twenty million views per episode, and it's growing exponentially since then. So I'd imagine, I'd, I'd, I'm completely guessing but I'd imagine it's getting 50 million per episode. And that's just like the, the average episode. Like you take an episode where they've got someone like they had The Rock on recently. That's getting 100 million easily, easily. And there's going to be some big ones coming there as well, right? So it's good. Podcasts, I think it's it's relative, because Spotify are in control of it, because Apple are in control of it, they have stayed relatively neutral. And they've just said, no, we're platforms. We're going to stay out of this discussion. It's not our It's not our place to be deciding the narrative. Whereas Meta has basically become an extension of the mainstream media now, and they've allied themselves with the far left. It's very, it's very clear to see. Anyway, that's not the point of this video. <laughs> Let's get back to it. But it does tie in with the fact that, you know, where AI goes is very much determined by who's in control of it, how and who regulates it and how much it's regulated. And it also depends very much on how fast it develops and which direction it goes more in, and the fact that we have to recognize we don't even realize, I don't think any human really knows at this stage, maybe a very small few, what it, this is actually going to be capable of and in what time frame. Because I said this yesterday, ChatGPT 5 isn't going to be twice as good as ChatGPT 4, it's going to be 10 times better. And then ChatGPT 6 is going to be 100 times better than ChatGPT 5. So it's not even an exponential growth curve. It's basically a vertical line straight. Whereas technology tends to double, which is like exponential. Whereas with this, it's not. So you've got linear, you've got exponential, and then you've got vertical. And I think this is basically going to be the first technology we see that on a very short time horizon, you know, you're looking at less than five years, it's going to be vertical growth, almost pure vertical, because ChatGPT 6 will be 100 times better than 5, and ChatGPT 7 will be 1,000 times better than 6. Like, so if you think about, okay, what is ChatGPT 4 capable of? It's relatively text-based, some imagery in there, but I don't know if you've ever used Dali. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's fun, but I actually used it to create the logo of my business, funny story. Um, but it's not fantastic. You know, it, it regularly makes mistakes. It doesn't really improve. Whereas it looks like with five, they're going to release text to video, which is already an insane leap forward. And from what I've seen, and you can watch this yourself, it looks like insane. Like it looks ridiculous. Like you can literally type a very simple prompt. The example they use is a car driving and they change the scenario of where the car's driving. There's one where it's a sports car driving down a road in a jungle and there's dinosaurs around it. And it's it's 4K It's and it's perfect. It's There's no mistakes, nothing. It's it's insane. So you then imagine, okay, well, what, what will six be able to do? And then seven and then... So we don't even know. We're not even capable of fathoming as human beings with our tiny brains what this technology is going to be capable of and how quickly it's going to achieve it. Because in comparison to this technology, we are apes. We are chimpanzees. We are probably in the next 12 months going to be knocked off top spot on the food table. Food table? You know what I mean. We're not going to be, we're not going to be the dominant species anymore. AI is. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think ultimately, as long as we can always press the emergency stop button, we can pull the cord, 
we can control it. I suppose maybe then we are top of the top of the food pyramid. Anyway, so with all that out of the way, how do I actually think AI is going to influence and impact both positively and negatively the fitness industry? So let's start with the positives because I think there's loads. First and foremost, there's going to be more information available quicker, freer, and probably the most important one, it's going to be more factual. And I actually tested this. I'd never done this, but I went on ChatGPT and I literally just typed in, how do I lose body fat? And it gave me the right answer, calorie deficit. I was like, wow, okay, great. Okay, so it's, it's fast. It gave it to me in five seconds. It's factual and it's free. Boom, ticks all the boxes, right? So what this means is that information is going to become even less valuable than it is now because there's where you increase this, uh, the supply, the demand goes down. So supply demand curve, right? So as a result of that, I think uh, that's going to be really interesting. One of the things I'm really excited about, because I, I, I talk about this with my clients all the time, is AI is going to enable us to capture more data and more accurate data. And this is really important because one of the biggest issues you have when you're trying to get in shape or you know, whether you're working on your fitness or your nutrition or even your mindset is people tend to go straight to the subjective data. And subjective data is very closely tied with emotional response, with emotions. Whereas if we've got objective data, which can't be denied, we're able to look at things more objectively. And as a result of it, we're able to look at things with more logic and less emotion. And that's really important because we can make much better decisions with logic than we can emotion. So if I was to say to a client of mine, let's say a client feeds back to me on a, on a Sunday and they've had a terrible week. My check-in process is designed in a certain way to get them to think retrospectively about their week and then to also think proactively about next week. And it's set up in a way that they can't really give me any excuses. Because I ask questions like, how's your sleep been? And it all ties together. So if they were to say, the very first question for anybody who's wondering is, How, how's your week been? Out of five, just generally, how's your week been? What's the first star that comes to your to your head and for the most part people will put four or had a one recently but actually on, on reflection he definitely didn't have a one week but then the point is is you can go through the check-in process and it asks you to enter your objective data how many calories did you have how much protein did you have how much water did you drink how many steps did you do how much sleep did you get and what this then does is it enables the person to go through the check-in the guy to go through the check-in fill in their data and then on what I know a lot of them, I'm sure, well, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of them are doing, are going back and changing the star rating that they've originally given themselves. Because what they're doing when they've logged into their check-in on a Sunday, maybe they've had a bad day, maybe they're hungover, maybe they're tired, whatever it is, it's a Sunday night, right? Maybe they're giving themselves a two out of five. And then they fill in the information and as they go through it, they're like, oh, you know what, actually, like, I did my workouts, I slept all right, yeah, actually, I got my water in, I hit my calories most of my days, I got loads of protein and boom, 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 boom. And then they realize that actually, you know what? My week was pretty damn good. I'm just, I'm just not feeling great right now. And so the more objective data that we've got, and AI is going to hugely help us with this, the better, without a shadow of a doubt. So fitness trackers or uh, just lifestyle trackers, I think they're not even going to be called fitness trackers anymore. They're just going to be called lifestyle trackers, are going to massively improve exponentially. The technology itself is going to be insane. You know, what we've got now with whether it's Whoops or Apple Watches or Fitbits, whatever they might be, I think quite quickly the versions we've got now of all of these pieces of technology will become 
pretty redundant pretty quickly. I can see this just evolving so fast. I can see it being in almost real time. A little bit like how you would check the stock market to see the stock price of Apple shares, for example. You can, you can see that effectively in real time. I think it will become the same with our lifestyle. Now, where there's a slight risk there is data security because and privacy because how much do we want other people to see you know because if we just think like the very basic stuff right is your steps your heart rate if you're wearing an apple watch or you you know how well you've slept if you're wearing a whoop but imagine the more detailed stuff and whoop talk about this and it's already happening but in the background and the guy I think it was, no, I think it might have been a woman from Whoop and she was the, I don't want to get it wrong. It was like the data, head of data or something like this. And she basically said that they were able to measure the number of erections and the length of the erections that men were having in their sleep. If I've got that wrong around it being Whoop, I apologize. Um, I'm not trying to call them out or say that they're, they're doing anything nefarious. I, I, I don't think they're sharing this data, but that's pretty private information, right? I mean, you don't even know how many you're having because you're asleep, but I'm pretty sure most men would want to keep the function of their penis <laughs> secret from basically everybody, pretty much probably even their partner, particularly when it's subconscious behavior, right? It might be interesting to them, but where's that data being stored? Who has access to it? Could it be hacked? Can the AI take it and use it to influence something else? So I think there's a potential negative there. I think we have to be very careful about how we, we manage that with the data security and stuff like that. But for the most part, more data, more objective data, and more accurate data is a huge benefit for the world massively. Because what we can then do is with more people wearing these lifestyle trackers, that means we can gather much more data quicker. And that means we can do quicker research. And quicker research is so important because there's this... A bad scientist will tell you that we know something conclusively. In science, nothing is ever really absolutely conclusive. You know, I mean, look look at things like the Big Bang Theory. Even up until recently, it's pretty much like, oh, you've got people who are like, no, it definitely happened. And now there's actually stuff coming out saying like, well, maybe, maybe it didn't. Maybe, maybe this. I'm not an expert on this stuff, by the way. I don't know. I just, I just hear it secondhand. But that's just one example. It's the same with nutrition. It's the same with fitness. It's the same with... Neuroscience is a particularly interesting one because we really don't know much about our brains. They're so complicated, we just don't have a clue really yet. There's people who are at the forefront of this stuff and even they will say, we know very little about our brains. And look, there's stuff that we are more certain about than other things, calorie deficit being a good example. Like we are like 99.9 .9 to the thousandth degree certain that the calorie deficit is the best way to lose body fat. Like ask any good coach, you know, they will say, this is how that my clients get results. It's, it's pretty undeniable. However, we can't be too dogmatic and say, it has to be this way, it is only this way, because you never quite know. There might be something going on underneath the calorie deficit that we just don't know about yet. So, and certainly in the fitness world, yeah, again, we know like, you know, you put the muscles under more tension, it causes more micro tears in the fibers, you increase protein and you get protein synthesis and the muscles grow back bigger and stronger, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay, we know this stuff, 99.9999999, again, but is it optimal? Like there's always research coming out around the most optimal way to train and to build muscle and 
it's insane. And I've done a video about this around, you know, the, the exact number of reps that you should be doing. So if you haven't already, go and check that one out. But I think the more data we've got, the quicker the research we can get. And because that data is going to be more objective, the higher the quality of the research. And as a result, the more better information that we get wider spread to more people, which is more fact, which is always a good thing. There's less subjectivity because if you think about it at the moment, Google search has become a mess now. You know, you you don't really have that much confidence in something when you Google it because it's a mixture between adverts and subjective opinion. Like the people who have SEO ranked, so search engine optimized ranked in most areas, particularly like, I mean, obviously I know fitness and nutrition well, they're not the most right people. <laughs> like They're not even necessarily saying the truth. They could be completely lying to you, but very few people make it off the first page of Google. So as a result, by proxy, they get the 99.9% .9 of the clicks. Whereas if you look at something as basic as ChatGPT4, which we've had access to now for going on a year, I think we have the more of the facts. I think the problem is at the moment, people aren't using ChatGPT as they should be, which is as a search engine. It's an incredibly smart coworker who can do anything. That's how I see it. And I now try, and it's still, you know, ingrained in my habits to go to Google first, but I now try to go to ChatGPT if it's something that I'm not, I have no knowledge on, for example. I think it's the best start point rather than Google. And actually like the younger generation don't even start on Google anymore. They start on social media. So they go to TikTok. And I think that's potentially even more dangerous. Now, you could argue the benefit of going to TikTok is that because the content is user generated, there's, they're, they're going to get to the truth quicker. I don't know how, whole, how much that holds up because I don't know how well TikTok is regulated and stuff like that. So, but regardless, AI doesn't have a nefarious agenda. It's not trying to sell you anything. So it will tell you the objective fact. So I think that's a huge benefit as well. I think another big one that I can see coming probably in the next six months to a year is an app. I'd imagine it would be an app because it would be on your phone, which effectively enables you to analyze your form in the gym. So let's say you're doing a deadlift. Deadlift's a very complex move. It's probably the one I got asked most about with my clients. Like, oh, I feel like my lower back, I feel this, I feel that. And I can obviously give them feedback, but how much more powerful would it be if they could download an app and they turn their camera on, it records them doing a deadlift, it analyzes their form and then gives them pointers, it gives them tips, it gives them video recording, it gives them coaching. That would be amazing. And I think that will come very far. It might already be here. I, I haven't heard any, anybody using it, but like some sort of form checking, injury prevention, application will be amazing and I think that's probably on the horizon I wouldn't be surprised if someone is already developing it or if it's already been released and the last major benefit of AI in the fitness world that I can think of right now there's probably more and actually you know if you if there are more that you can think of hit me up in the comments section I'd love to have a more open debate about this topic I feel like this is a topic that needs more of like a panel discussion really so I'd love to do that if anybody's up for it let me know but another big one definitely will be program design. I think a lot of people struggle to know what to put in their training program. And because they've heard so much conflicting information, they're like, oh, do I need to do this? Do I need to do this? And then even once you've picked your exercises, you've got to then pick the order. You've got to pick your workout split. You've got to pick 
the number of reps, the number of sets, the rest periods, whether you do drop sets or supersets, and it gets incredibly confusing. There's a heck of a lot of variables. Even myself, I've been programming for myself for, well, I mean, I first started getting into like actual programming probably like seven years ago, and I've been programming for clients five for five years. I've probably written, ooh, north of 200 training programs for men, for women, even for teenagers, uh, for elderly people. I've, my youngest client was 16, my eldest client was 68. You know, uh, men and women, I mean, I primarily now work with men in their 30s and 40s for the most part, but uh, yeah, I've written a lot of training programs and even now I'm there sort of like, oh, is this, is this as good as it could be? Like, what about this, what about that? So I think having some technology that's going to give people more peace of mind with their own training program will be incredibly powerful. It's, it technically already exists. You can go on ChatGPT, you can type in, build me a training program. I've done it, I'll be honest, and I'm not just saying this because it's my business, it's terrible. It's really not good. I mean, I think ChatGPT, you're at the mercy of how good your prompts are. So if you know a little bit about training, you could probably get a pretty good job, but I've done it a few times. I've, I've even played around with it. I've even done like um, prompt strings. So like do a prompt, it gives you feedback, you do another prompt, et cetera, et cetera. I've had conversations with, with the AI about it and it's, it's not very good. It's very generic uh, and it will pretty much just chuck out the three sets of 10 bicep curls. It, it, it doesn't know a whole lot. Um, it does also doesn't know your gym. Where I think if you imagine that, let's say Google were to plug into ChatGPT, for example, and there was a, a layout of the exact gym and the equipment that you had in your gym. And again, all this stuff is going to come very quickly. It, it, the AI will know what equipment is in your gym. It will know your data because it will have all of that because you'll be wearing a lifestyle tracker. It will know how strong you are because all the machines will have um, measurements in them that will be measuring your lifts, how much resistance you're putting through. This stuff already exists, but it'll be much more widely spread. So it will be able to write you an incredibly detailed training program that enables you to progressively overload and to an extent hold you accountable because it will, it will just automatically tell you where you're doing the reps and what you need to improve and et cetera, et cetera. So, that's just what I can think of right now in terms of the positives. And there's a lot. And I think it's very exciting. And even as someone, you might be thinking like, well, you're a, you know, you're an online coach, you're in the fitness industry, you're a nutritionist. Like, does this not put you out of business? And I think there's a potential in the shorter term that there will potentially be a bit of a race to the bottom where a lot of coaches and nutritionists and PTs feel like they have to lower their prices to compete with AI because there'll be a lot of people who think they're really smart and they'll be like, well, I just got AI to do it. Now, you got to remember, the thing that the vast majority of people pay for when it comes to coaching is support, accountability, and community. They're paying for the human elements. And AI, certainly not ChatGPT 5, maybe, I don't think even 6, will be able to replace that. And even if it can, if you're watching this and you're in the fitness industry, that from what I can tell, the best advice to you would be to start to gather as much data as you can from yourself, talk to a camera. You don't even have to upload it, I don't think. I guess you wouldn't have to. I guess you could just upload it to YouTube and put it all private, but that's up to you. Uh, and train your own AI. 
because people are still going to want to work with you. They're going to want to work with personality because ultimately like I know for an absolute fact that when I start working with one of my clients, they haven't just spoken to me. They haven't just looked at me. They're following maybe 20, 50 other people on Instagram and social media. They could easily have gone and given their hard earned money to that person and they've decided to give it to me. And I think this is where you have to really have the confidence to lean into your own personality and be as authentic and as value driven as possible. And value isn't about price. Value is about result. I've had clients pay me thousands because they want a result. And the more they pay, the faster and harder we're going to work together to get them that result. That's how it works. It's like anything else. It's like any other industry. So I think personal trainers and nutritionists and coaches need to stick to their guns. I think they need to lean into their personal brand and their personality. I think they need to understand that their biggest asset, what is that? Is that is their personal brand? It's their ability to garner community and to help people to be get motivated and to hold people accountable and to support people and from a human to human perspective. I don't think people are gonna want the support of a robot that they know doesn't give a toss. Whereas the good coaches care about their clients. And it's very evident to see, very evident to see. That doesn't mean they don't have their own lives. One of the biggest challenges for me over the next couple of months is gonna be <laughs> starting to be, rebuild my own life because <clears throat> truth be told, the last five months, well, we're going on to month six, I've completely dedicated to other people. I've completely dedicated to my clients and it's going to be challenging for them and for me when I take a step back from that. Does, does that mean I'm gonna stop talking to them? Does that mean I'm gonna neglect them? No, of course it doesn't. It just means that I'm going to have my own life and they're going to have to accept that. And if they don't, they're gonna to have to move on. And that's how it is. That's how, so that's, yeah, we're all humans. We all have to have our own lives. So I think the biggest dangers are, like I said, around the privacy element, the data protection, but I think also the potential in the short term that there will be a bit of a race to the bottom. I think the other potential is that with more information available quicker, it could fry people's brains too much. People's brains are already fried from social media. Now, the saving grace should be the fact that it's only factual information. So people are gonna be arguing about the facts, which, well, you can't really argue about the facts, right? At the moment, the arguments, the confusion, the confliction comes from subjective opinion. Ah, oh, this is the best way to lose weight. No, this is the best way to build muscle. All of that is just going to go out the window because it's like AI doesn't care. So like, here's the facts, do it. So hopefully, as long as they keep it factual and the quality of the data remains as high as it is at the moment, that won't be an issue. There is a, there is a potential that the quality of the data decreases and then we are in big trouble. Now, one of the other big issues with the AI is it being used maliciously. So at the moment, there's already a lot of deep fake content coming out and what they're doing just in the context of the fitness world, the nutrition world, wellness, health, whatever you want to call it, is they're deep faking celebrities on video and this celebrity, the deep fake, is saying that they use a particular supplement or a particular brand or a product and it's not them. It's an AI generated video. It's insane, but it's so realistic. You can't tell the difference. And people unfortunately are very gullible. And if they see 
well, let's use the Joe Rogan example again. If they see Joe Rogan because he because they know he talks a lot about health and they know that he's 50 and he's in good shape and he has a huge fan base. If someone watches a video and they and they're just scrolling and they think it's him and he's promoting a fat burner or a steroid or a magic supplement, whatever it might be, they might be well, they probably will be influenced into potentially purchasing some stuff that's complete absolute rubbish. So that's definitely a problem. Now, again, that that ties back into how it's regulated, but we will see. But I think in the long term, I'm, I'm super positive about AI. I think it's only going to help the industry that I work in. It's about serving others, right? It's very different to a lot of industries. It's not like, I don't know, financial services or anything. You know, it, it, I, as I said to you yesterday, that industry is effectively going to become redundant very fast because it will just be completely controlled by computers. But that's just one example. But like, if you look at nurses, doctors, personal trainers, coaches, teachers, people don't get into these industries because they want to get rich. Now, the best people will get rich because they add the most value, they have the best personal brands, etc. But the vast majority of people don't get into it to get rich and they know they're not going to get rich as well. They get into it because they've got something They've got an internal intrinsic motivator, a driver to serve and to help other people. So I think as long as you stick to your guns, continue to be authentic, continue to build your personal brand, or if you haven't already, to definitely start, I think as a coach, you will come out of this stronger because you will have more clients using more technology, gathering more data, and you will have access to better information and better research at a quicker rate which means you will be able to help more people at less cost, quicker, and with more confidence and conviction. Yeah, so I'm positive. This was not intended to be 34 minutes, but hopefully this has been really useful. I've enjoyed doing this, and like I say, I'm not an AI expert. This is just my opinion. <laughs> I, re I wouldn't be surprised if in a month's time, everything I've said is completely wrong. <laughs> And we have to redo this video and uh, I'll have to write an apology to Sam Altman and say, sorry, I was wrong. You're a genius. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on AI, guys. So I'll leave it there. I hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, follow, like, share, comment, tell them and your friends. You know the drill. And uh, as always, I will uh, see you tomorrow.